0: Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready, dude. <laughs> I really am, actually. All right, here we go. Ferreira goes on the overlap. Calou's waiting in the center. Here's Ferreira. Full back to Yossi Benayoun, And Benayoun gets his opening Chelsea goal. This is the Milk, Honey and Football Podcast. Here are your hosts, Rafael Geller and Jesse Forsyth. And welcome back, everyone, to the Milk, Honey and Football Podcast. This is the fifth episode of our second season. I'm, I'm Jesse as always, one of your hosts. Uh, and again, I'm, I have the distinct pleasure of being joined by Raphael Geller. Raphael, how's everything with you?
1: All is good, man. Working on a few projects and uh, excited that the international break is over and we're back in action where we can watch the best league in the world, the Israel Premier League, of course.
0: Yeah, especially for those fans of the Israel national team, everyone's probably a little, a little happy to see that the, the international break is over. Didn't go too well for us, obviously. Um, so that's no, one of the topics one, that, that we're going to get to. One of the
1: worst weekends I remember.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, didn't didn't go well. So yeah. So just to give everyone a quick rundown. We're going to go ahead and start with the review of the national team and their break uh, and what they did over the break, uh, and then we'll do a little preview of the nations leagues matches to come. There's one in October or two, Raphael.
1: Two, both home. We have Albania and Scotland at home.
0: Yeah, I know, uh, I know. I think Scotland's at the 11th, but yeah. So we'll get to that, and then of course we move on to the Israeli Premier League. We'll talk about you know the stories so far and uh, some of the matchups this weekend and what, what we can look forward to. Um, but first, I think. Well, I think Raphael, we wanted to uh, answer some of the questions that we got from our uh, from our listeners uh, who sent us questions via Twitter, via either replying to our tweets or DMing us. So uh, we have three questions. Or there's
1: a fourth one. I got a I got a
0: DM. Okay. As well. All right. So we'll we'll go in the in the order that I will I'll start with the three that I have here, Raphael, and then you can go on yours. So. Uh, thank you guys for for giving us your your feedback and your questions we hope, hope, hope to make this a weekly thing so we'll start with at c etchingham 77 chris uh, Chris asked uh, not a specific question but he asked us to um, to talk about the benet versus Beitar uh, uh, controversy however you want to however you want to word it raphael how let you explain to our viewers, to our listeners, I should say, exactly what Chris is referring to uh, when he asked us to talk a little bit about Bene versus Beitar. But um, basically, it's going to have to do with the, the change in uh, in the in the attendance rules, given the the animosity that there's been between the clubs, and now people are actually allowed to attend the matches. So, uh, Raphael, what do you have? What do you have for Chris on on that topic?
1: So, Bnei Sachnin are the only um, Arab Israeli Arab club in the Premier League. Of course, there's a lot of uh, a lot of Arab teams in the lower tiers, especially this year in the second division. There's a few, um, and then in the third and fourth, there's there's a lot. But uh, Bnei Sakhnin are the only team uh, lo- located in the Israeli Arab city in Israel. Um, And for the last three years, basically, in 2015, uh, everyone remembers that the stabbing attacks really started to rise. There were a lot of attacks. It was a very tense time. Um, And so, I mean, I'm not saying it's exactly because of the stabbing attacks, uh, but it was a very tense time in Israel. Not that, you know, most times are tense, but basically in 2015 they made a rule that um, the away fans of Betar and Bnei Sakhlin would not be able to come to away matches, um, and those games were basically played uh, just with the home fans, and uh, they would let a little delegation of, you know, owners and VIPs come, but the fans were not allowed to come. A lot of people in the football world were against this because you know if it's football is all about the fans and. The, competition and having your away fans supporting you. Um and it's been known that a lot of away fans have gone to these matches in past years since it's such a big match. Uh but you know things got a little tense as well between the fans. Um very different political ideologies and very uh you know, I don't want to use the word racist, um chance. Well you can, but I would say they're on both sides. Uh, you know Beitar, Jerusalem gets a lot of flack in the world as they should, and i 've written a lot about it, so no one can, can call me a crazy right wing person now in the podcast because i 've condemned it over and over and over, but that said uh this is the things that some of the Saine fans have chanted at the games i don 't know if i 'd call them racist, but they are not helpful uh to having uh, to having a you know good sported football match so uh, things have calmed down, I guess you could say, in that sect. There's still a lot of terrorist attacks. Obviously, there was a, a really a brutal one in the past week, but it's, it's not as t- intense as it has been, and there's a new ownership change in Beitar. And uh, through the push of the Israel president, Ruby Rivlin, and other uh, people in the football world, they will... Um, They will be allowing the away fans to come. In short, they will be allowing the away fans to come. It's very exciting. Uh, The bottom line is we hope there's no violence between the fans. It stays good natured and and good vibes. And you know, some the tifos are always interesting, especially on. uh, Well, both sides are interesting, to be honest. About two thousand fans are coming from Sakhnin. Which is ironic since most of their home games so far this season, they haven't even gotten 2,000 fans. Uh, So it's a big game. It's on Monday night. We'll talk about the game, the actual game more. But that's basically to answer Chris's question. They're both going to be – the fans are going to be allowed. It's a big deal. It was done in good faith from both clubs. Both clubs are happy about it. There's a big press conference with the president, Israel president, as I mentioned and uh it's good it's good I mean it's never good to have a match where away fans can't come and yes, so that answers Chris's question
0: yep so hope uh hope that's what you're looking for Chris and again thanks for the question um
1: let me look at this uh, DM before we go to the next one
0: okay yeah you want to do that before
1: yeah so uh Dave asks uh who do we think is gonna win the league um Jesse, I'll let you answer that one first. Who do you think is going to win the league this year? Huh.
0: Um, I mean, after the the off season moves and Rafael, we were just talking before the before we started recording. The the depth that Maccabi Tel Aviv has, and the way the preseason went—not that it really went well for anyone—but I mean, Beersheba is not exactly—they're um, not really in a, in a great run of form. And I think after the the players that Maccabi brought in from from within Israel, I, I, they will be my pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think, look, in the last week, Beresheva made a lot of moves, and we'll talk about that later in the
0: Premier League
1: section, but I think right now Maccabi are the favorites. Um, that said, I think the league this year is, is at least as of right now, is is relatively weak. I think there's a lot of very average teams, teams that usually have been stronger, um, and if it's invested a little more money, uh, are not gonna, uh, you're going to see a very big difference in the level of, uh, competition, whether that's a Polo Tel Aviv or, um uh, Bnei or, uh, even a Polo Ranana, nana uh, who in the past, you know, have, have put a little more money and brought in better foreign players. I think this is going to be a very, uh, weak league this year. And I think the top. Six teams are going to be way better than 7 through 14, which obviously is m- meant to be the case. I just mean the le- the difference in the level will be very different. So I'm going to go with Maccabi right now just because the way that they're playing, they have veterans um, that have been on the team for a long time, whether it's, you know, Dormicha and, and guys like that. And then they have um, and Yeni, of course, who, who came back from Batista a few years ago. And they have the newer generation of players that have come back from loan, the Dan Gleisers and uh, Dor Peretz, who hasn't come back from loan but is, is young. And is, this is meant to be his breakout season. He was on loan at bull Haifa a couple of years ago. Um, and they also brought in Mora Candil. And there's a lot of really talented uh, young players on this team. Jonathan Cohen as well showed in the Toto Cup that he's a very exciting prospect. So they have that. And um, they have uh, good foreigners, I'd say. Uh, the one thing I'm a bit concerned is they didn't replace Cartensen. Uh, I guess they, the press in the last press conferences, Ivich said that he um, didn't feel like he needed to bring someone in or that he didn't find someone who was going to uh, help the team. So I'm a bit concerned about that because right now you're counting a lot on Schechter, and I think that could be dangerous. Um, but yeah, right now my, my are my favorites, but I, you got to see how they mesh with all of their new signings. And we'll of course discuss that in the section because it, it was a crazy last week of the window for them.
0: Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Charleston is now playing in Russia. I don't know. I guess that, that probably happened. Uh, Raphael, not, not, uh, before our, our, one of the, our last episodes. So we probably didn't actually talk about that. Yeah, two point
1: five million to Rostov. Uh, there are three other Icelandic international players on the team. Russia's probably one of the most underrated leagues in the world, just because it's in Russia, but it's a relatively strong league. It's obviously not as good as the Big Five, but uh, it's you know it's on the level. Well, I don't know. It's hard to compare, but it's it's a good league. I mean, it's. With, with the way the money is there and, and some of the foreigners that have gone there, um, you could make a lot of arguments that it's better than the Dutch league. A lot of people would say, well, what about Ajax? But I think overall, you look at a lot of the teams in Russia and uh, how they've done in Europe the last few years and the, the different trend. I mean, you've had different... All the Moscow teams have won the league and Zanit in the past has been really good. So it's it's a relatively strong league. Um, so wasn't where he wanted to go, but... Uh, it was. It's obviously 100% a step up on our wonderful uh, little Premier League here in Israel. But yeah, let's move back to the next question. We need to pick up the pace because we want to be faster. So Jesse, hit me with the question.
0: Right, yeah, we'll make it a rapid fire. So it's Tvm, v- M- yeah. which is uh, his, his handle is at Uh So he asked a few different questions. He asked who the fr- early frontrunners are for League at Hall, which I think we kind of just covered.
1: Yeah, yeah, we covered, covered that three
0: percent of Maccabi. And then he went on to ask, where where did the sudden drop in transfer quality come from? And are there any youth prospects in the Israeli national team pipeline that are getting pro minutes? So,
1: so let's, let's start, start with, with where the, the sudden drop in transfer quality come from. Um, it's a good question, actually. It's a great question. I think first question is the investment uh, has really gone down in transfer fees this year. Uh, there's lots of reasons for that. Um, obviously made two massive transfer fees but those are within Israel so let's not count that for a minute but really nobody paid a transfer fee um, for a European player most of all the moves were free transfers and when it's a free transfer it's just not as good of a quality player most of the time not always of course there's always examples in the European market where there's players who um, are able to sign clubs on a free, but the the, the money, money, the investment, investment has just gone down. down. Uh, I think a lot of the Israeli teams are frustrated with the way they've been doing in Europe and uh, Maccabi Haifa, for example. For all the money they spent over the last few years, it hasn't led them anywhere. So this year they they carefully selected uh, players on free transfers or loans. Uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, I think, are a different story because they're under financial fair play. Um, but Apollo Tel Aviv don't have the money to. Uh, transfer fees, but yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think the level of foreigners this year in Israel is not as good as it's been even a few years ago, um and a lot of it is due to not wanting to pay that transfer fee, and also the salaries are are lower uh than they've been uh in the last few years you know the now that Carsen is gone, he was the highest paid player uh, after him, it really goes down significantly um in in the net salary so I think it's actually it might be a good thing, actually. I mean, it might sound weird, but it may be good to see what, what the teams can do with what they've spent. But at the same time, you, you get what you pay for in the market, and um, that's, that is what it is. Are there any youth prospects? Um, well, I mean, Manor Solomon, we've talked a lot about on the show. He's starting every week, of course. He's not even just starting, but he's a centerpiece of that team. He's been injured. Um, uh, so he didn't play last week and he got injured in the national team and he didn't play and he's probably not playing tonight. Um, but, uh, <laughs> what can I say besides that? Um, I mean, if you want to count Habshi who played with the national team, he, he's going to be getting a lot of minutes at Maccabi Haifa this year. Um, door Parrots, that we've talked a lot about on the show. Who um, is 23, and I think this needs to be a big year for him. Dan Glazer is getting a lot of minutes at Maccabi Tel Aviv. He was excellent at Maccabi Netanyahu, one of the best midfielders in the Premier League last year. Uh, Maxim Plashenko on Apol Khaifa needs to pick it up. We've talked, Jesse and I have talked about it a lot. On a- it feels like every week we talk about that. It's a big chance for him this year to have kind of a breakout season at Pol Haifa. They need him after a lot of the losses they've had in in um, in the more attacking options that Ben been and Alon Turchman. Not that Maxim is a striker, but he needs to get more goals because he's more of an attacking midfielder. Um, Oren Bitton on Beresheva, who tore his ACL, is a very, very exciting prospect. I think one of the most exciting ones, but he's injured. Um, more Candil is a right back but we have ali dasa so i don't really and, and you know i think jesse and i would both agree dasa as a 25 year old is going to be the national team right back for at least the next five years if not more uh, omar atili hard to believe is only 25 which seems kind of nuts with all the stuff he's gone through in his career um yeah, that I don't know. There's there's some interesting players uh, on the U twenty one team who I could maybe point out, but um, uh, I don't know. Obviously, Awad uh, Muhammad Awad on Maccabi Haifa is be, really being given the the keys this year. Uh, Maccabi Haifa they really believe in him. The you know. Mo Alekh, the technical director, has even gone on local radio and told them, like, we're we're aiming um, to be in the top six, which is something that no one would ever have said in the past. Maccabi Haifa, you always have to, um, you know, you always have to aim high, meaning the top three. And he kind of surprised people when he said that. But Awad's going to get the keys this year no matter what. He's going to play almost every game. Um I like him a lot, actually. I think he's a really, really talented player. Some have compared him um, to DeBoer, not in their style of play, but just because they're they're both Arab, um, and they're both very exciting prospects. They both came up through uh, good programs. Obviously, DeBoer was at Maccabi Tel Aviv, and before that, Nazareth, where Awad has just been at Maccabi Haifa in his youth and now is in the senior team. But... um, yeah, I mean, there's some other guys. I mean, Zanati also Maccabi Haifa, but uh, Moti Bershatsky on Maccabi Netanya just went low. Yonatan Cohen, who I mentioned, um, who's on, low, who's now at um, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, and uh, you know, I, I and he's going to get some minutes. So, um, Aviva Vram and Maccabi Netanya. But out of all these guys, it's hard to say which one is the The most exciting, I would probably say Dan Glazer, Manor Solomon, Awad are the most exciting on the U21 team and senior team. And uh, one guy to keep an eye on to close the segment is uh, Ronnie Rosenthal's kid, Tom Rosenthal, who just has been a Belgian youth international. Obviously, for those who don't know, Ronnie Rosenthal is one of the most famous Israeli players. Went to Liverpool in between Avi Cohen and Yossi Benayoun, because um, we've had three players at Liverpool, um, and was great there. And it's his son, and never really lived in Israel, he was born and raised in England, and then was in uh, Holland for many years, because uh, they live in, uh, sorry, not Holland, in Belgium. Um, so that's exciting. He, he got his first call-up, I think, uh, recently, um, against Germany. So that's, yeah, that's a list of players. There could be some younger ones that are in the U19, U17, but I don't see them getting a call-up anytime soon.
0: All right, Zvi, so thanks again for that question. Um, and then our, to round out the, the mailbag segment, we have a question from Ash Obel. Uh We just at Ash underscore Obo. Uh, he asked, what's happening at Baytar? Uh, will they recover this season, or are they headed for a relegation battle? What do you think, Rafael?
1: Well, uh, three games, nine points. One one point out of nine. Um, not looking good. Not great. You know, not the best um, football. But it's a new team. Uh, we talked about this in the past. Um they have a tough game against Sakhneen, which is always a very, very difficult game because of the expectations of the fans and how much it means to the fans. Um, look, they uh, obviously had a crazy offseason with the whole Tabib drama, the former owner. They brought in Buzaglo, who's going to be ready. Uh, most people are saying by not this international break, but maybe the one in November. Um, and if he's healthy, then you never know. I mean, he's he has the potential to be the best player in the league, but it, it's just hard to see that after all of his knee injuries. Um, but at his peak at Beersheva, I mean, he was extraordinary. He's maybe the best player in the league, or one of the best players in the league. I don't know what to expect him after two serious knee surgeries um, in the last couple of years. It's it's very difficult to see what he's going to do. Um, Conte has been injured. Is is. Uh, Coming back, I believe is back in Israel. He should be back in the next couple of months. Uh, Sylvester, the striker, the Slovakian, was much uh, – I guess he had the extra edge last year. This year it seems like he's not off to as good of a start. Um, but lots of changes. Uh, Afonso Tyra, who came from Kiryatsimono, was probably the best foreign DM in the league last year. Um, he hasn't really settled in. There's been lots of movement um, in the last couple of days. Dudu Gorish came in from Beersheva, of course, and he's a new goalkeeper. Um, in addition, Samuel Simon, who just joined uh, Beersheva from Apol Haifa in June, has come over and taken over the left-back position, which they desperately needed because with all due respect uh, to the younger guys there, they were not ready to play at this level. Iran um, Levy is a, a huge part of the team Dan there, of course that was maybe their biggest move he's very very close with the fans of Beitar they really like him they were, a lot of them were upset when he left to um, Beresheva they said it was all for money and blah 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 but I think now that some time has passed it's been a week since he came back or Five, six days, I think they're happy he's back. He's a great addition back. At the same time Arik Saba went to Beersheba, so it was kind of a flip. Um, it's hard to tell. The bottom line, my answer to you, Ash, is that there's lots of changes. And in football, it takes time. It's not like other sports. Uh, football is a team game. You need time. You know, I just mentioned eight different moves that have happened. Um, Anthony Varan, uh, who was a big hit last year, is, is not gone into it as well. Uh, Tal ben chaim has been a little injured. Um, it's hard to tell. I, I think they made a huge mistake by not uh, bringing in more foreign players. Uh, um, that said, Jorginho, they decided to keep at the last minute, and he'll be uh, back when he's injured, or he'll be back after he's he's recovered from his injury. So assuming Buzaglo is, is healthy and Jorginho can show the form he showed at Sachnin, uh, there's potential, but there's just some. There's still issues in the midfield, in the defense. <laughs> I guess also there's lots of issues, but uh, the way the league is this year, they should, they should contend for the top six, no doubt. I mean, if they don't, then you'll see Luzon out the door because there's enough talent here to finish in the top six in our league. Yidan Verd of course, was rumored to Haifa for three months, but stayed, and he just gave an interview this weekend where he said if that if. Um, the new owner, Moshe gag didn't come that, uh, of course, he would have gone to Maccabi Haifa on a transfer fee. So lots of talent, but Luzon has a lot of hard work and a tough match. If they lose to Sachnin on Monday, uh, it will be fair to say that he'll be on the hot seat. He'll be in a lot of trouble um, coming up for the next round next week. I don't know who they're playing, but if if they start the season one out of 12, and they lose to their biggest rivals, um, it will not be good for him. It'll, there'll be a lot of issues. So, yeah, Ash, I don't see them in relegation, but um, if things get crazy, like I said, and they lose to Sakhnin and they start to really wonder, oh my God, what are we gonna do? And Buzaglo maybe suffers a setback, and injury, and I don't know, Jorginho does as well, and Conte does as well. Um, they could have some issues, but I think Don Ibiidor is going to take a lot of leadership with this team, and um, I expect to see them fight, you know, for the top six. And if they click, then then they can finish usually three, four. Um, after, of course, Maccabi and Beisheva. So, Ash, we gotta wait and see. Is the short answer.
0: All right. So, um, thank everyone. Thanks everyone again for the questions. We look forward to doing that on for episode
1: six. Yeah, and I think Jesse, I think it's fair to say because we took so long on uh, these questions that we'll probably cut a little of the Premier League section since honestly a lot of this was about the Premier League. Yeah, that's
0: really what we covered. Uh, out. I was thinking the so same may-
1: thing. Maybe we'll just do some quick uh, predictions, and we're, we're recording this during the matches, so um, you know maybe we'll do a little two minutes about um, everything. But uh, let's focus on the national team. I think, you know, we how much time do we have left? We said we wanted to do a 45-minute show To How much time do we have? Uh,
0: probably about 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think 20 minutes is good. We had two things we wanted to split it into, so I'll, I'll let you take it away.
0: Yeah, so well, first we were going to give you guys just a, a review of what's happened with the national team. So the Nations League is uh, is a little confusing. That was kind of the story. As the Nations League approaches, how nobody knew what, what on earth the tournament was, but uh, you know, it's it's a competitive tournament that's supposed to take the place of friendlies pretty much, but it's also, it's I mean, it's a UEFA tournament, um, and it, it can it's it, it's going to be linked to, uh, you know, the Euros and maybe eventually to the World Cup. So the point is, it does have some some weight, especially for the. Um, the lesser teams, they are not not the big teams that are going to be qualifying for those tournaments anyway. Um, so yeah, so Israel in their in their group within League C, they only have Albania and Scotland. So there were two match days this past week, but because there is only two teams in their in their group, they only had one competitive match, um, which was against Albania. They were away. Um, I mean. There, there's a, there's a lot you could say about, about the two performances and about the Albania one in particular. Um, it was a one nothing defeat, obviously, uh, for anyone who didn't, who didn't catch the, the result. Um, it was, it was Herzog's first, uh, first, ma- first competitive match, at the helm. Um, I honestly, I, I like the setup that he went with. I also was pretty fond of the personnel. I don't really think anything was on him. Albania are a good squad, and I really don't think that Israel played that poorly. Uh, Raphael, you might have some different opinions on that. I don't know, but uh, I mean, in general, people. It seems that the Twitter reaction wasn't all that great um, to how to how Israel looked. Uh, and then a few days later, the following Tuesday, Israel played at a, a friendly in Northern Ireland, went down three nothing. Um, a sim- a similar setup. With three center backs at the back which is what they did against albania which i which i get like i said i thought was a smart move um because that allowed herzog to use dasa and tolaka as wing backs which really utilizes their their abilities going forward and their pace uh really really the issue was it has been and will be uh is those three center backs who's going to be the central defenders um in albania it was a combination of uh Habshi, Capiloto. Um and it was Yaney, right, Raphael?
1: Yeah, I was sorry, I just had it on, on mute because I don't want to hear people no. I don't, people to hear me breathing, but um yeah, it was Yaney. Um, and he it was ironic. I mean, there are lots of injuries. sheer Sedeck was injured and there was one more injury. And he wasn't even supposed to be with the team, um, which was kind of the crazy part about it. He got called up at the last minute. And then at the last minute, he also, uh, got the call up to, um, to, uh, be in the starting back three, back five, but be a center back in the three. Um, and you know, he, uh, yeah, no, well, I'll let you continue before I give my thoughts.
0: Yeah, so I I I like that setup, where it gives those those wing to go up and down. And I think Tawatha and DASA are two of you know are two solid players, even though Tawatha hasn't really been playing all that much in in the Bundesliga. Still a really talented player. Um. Uh, yeah, so I mean the really some of the and again Aaron Zahavi started the match which was obviously a, a pretty big story and i i think he played pretty well but he he had to come off uh, due to an injury i think a few minutes after really just thinking the 48th minute something like that um, but and, yeah, and he was replaced by Khamid so Dabor started with Zahavi again um, so i said like i said i think Zahavi did a good job i think him and Dabor kind of complement each other well um, Dabore is obviously a very talented player and caused some problems for Albania. And they, they there are multiple times where they linked up well, uh, and they linked up well with the midfielders. Where Israel, I mean, conservatively, I don't, I don't think it's unfair to say that Israel should have scored three goals. Capiloto had a, uh, uh, it was a low cross from Dabor where he he did one of those uh, ridiculous. I don't even know how to how to describe it. Where he's in traffic and. He somehow manages to beat three defenders and put in a low cross right to Capiloto, who is just unmarked, probably three yards in front of the Albanian keeper and more, and completely scuffed it, really. So that should have been one goal. Kayal was was put in on a beautiful through ball, I think by Zahavi, on a give and go. And he completely fumbled it, completely bundled that one as well. Um, and then Zahavi literally had the keeper beat when he stole a, a backwards pass from Albania's left back and completely bottled that chance as well. Uh, so I thought the performance was actually not nearly as bad as a lot of people thought. Um, it, like I said, that, I mean, those are three goals that Israel worked worked towards. It, they weren't really handed to them. Maybe the Zahavi opportunity was lucky. But again, they were pressing high and Zahavi read the play well. So I really don't think that the performance was that bad. Um, and again, in the midfield, I thought Dor Peretz was fantastic. He's a player that Raphael likes a lot. His his physical uh, stature is something that is pretty unique for an Israeli player. He's a long, tall player uh, midfielder. Uh, he, well, I mean, he's a very good passer, and he's very, very makes very strong runs. Um, Ka- Brown Kayal started as well. Who actually, I have I have the Tottenham, Brighton matchup in the background here as we're recording this, and he. Replace Dale Stevens because uh, he started on the bench, so he's actually going to get nearly a full match in the Premier League, which is which is very good to see. So, yeah, Kyle did. A, I think he did an okay job. I don't think he was fantastic against Albania. I think he got caught out a few times, but overall, I really didn't dislike the performance that much. Um, I think they were just a little unlucky, honestly, to not have a few goals. Guy Kai Kaimov didn't make any spectacular saves, but he I don't he didn't really. Uh, he didn't have any glaring errors. He made the saves that he was supposed to. Um, and then for the Northern Ireland match, I I didn't actually get to watch it live, but I went back and I've watched uh, the first half a couple times so far. And I actually, I did a little uh, write-up of it. But again, in the first half, I really don't think Israel played that poorly. The possession was pretty evenly split. Northern Ireland really didn't have too many chances. They scored a goal uh, where Hamed was a little late to mark someone on a set piece. And the shot went right off dubor's head, and Khaimov had no chance after the deflection. Um, and the second goal was just a, was a cross in from Northern Ireland, where dubor was late marking his man, and the guy was three yards out from Khaimov, uh, so that was that was kind of an easy shot. But besides those two opportunities, and one of them really was a just a deflection, I don't think Israel played that poorly. With and they came out with a pretty similar setup. Except uh, Capilota was dropped Because he had a pretty disastrous Debut against Albania So that was the right decision Aiton Tibi uh, played in the back In that back three I thought he was fantastic At least in the first half Hapshi uh, was a little better Shiran Yaini has a bad tendency Really to, to put his teammates in trouble With the way he passes the ball um, But he was okay But I think Tibi really stood out to me At least in the first half uh, Nacho was, was good as always in both matches uh, I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about. I could go on for another couple hours, but Raphael, why don't you stop me and uh, tell, give me some of your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with some of the things you said. Um, I think that, uh, I, I don't know, I'm, I, I feel like Tibby, in my opinion, has had a decline the last couple of years in his form. I don't think he's as confident of a, as a player as he was. Um, I think he made a couple of key mistakes uh, not when it comes to, to his passing, but just when it comes to his awareness uh, to the goals. But um, look, at the end of the day, what's crazy is that Israel still, it, it's OK. I mean, there, it was one game in this group and it was a loss to a good Albanian side. Like, you know, we've, we've come a long way where we, we're saying that losing to Albania 1-0 is so embarrassing because it's really not um their entire team plays abroad they don't have anyone who played against us that plays domestically which is a crazy stat and yeah the Albanian league is not that good of course not it's not near the level of our league but still you know their players are playing all around Europe it's not like they're just in 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 Italy because obviously Italy borders Albania but they're everywhere they're they're spread throughout I mean you could find them everywhere um and obviously what's even crazier is if you look at the list of players that didn't get called up to those games, um, there's a lot of them. So there's a lot of very talented Albanian players. It's, I don't know. You could argue maybe it's their golden generation as well. A lot of people talk about Belgium's golden generation, but I think this is – A very exciting time in in Albanian football. The only thing that was disappointing is if you look at the form of Albania, they came in really not playing well. They got destroyed um, in in the last uh, few friendlies they played in, and the one that caught a lot of people's eyes, at least in my eyes, was that they lost 3-0 to Kosovo, which, again, Kosovo, very talented players, and that that match against albania has a lot of politics into it which i won't get into but and yes the kosovo players are playing also all around europe um and obviously none of them are playing in the local kosovo premier league which does exist um but just they came into the match in bad form there was a lot of talk that their uh italian manager um panucci was was a very very good player uh with the italian national team was going to get sacked if they didn't win I, i just yeah i mean you look at if Israel scored some of those chances, um, the Kayal chance, the Zahavi chance, um, things would be different. Maybe it would have come home with three wins, three points. And um, yeah, I think the Northern Ireland game, I honestly feel, I, I mean, from watching it again before last night, a little bit, the highlights, I didn't watch the game. I know you did. Um, but I, I just felt like the players weren't that focused. I think they've treated it kind of like it was a friendly. I, again, I don't know if that was the case because I'm not the players, but they just lost their focus in the second half. I, I Like you said, I don't think they played that bad in the first half. Um, in terms of the results, you know, Israeli football is the worst it's been in, in decades. Um, football, sports are about results. You know, you can't point and go, well, what if Kayal scored that goal? Obviously, I'm not saying that you're doing that or did that in your when you were talking. But the bottom line is we've lost. I, I don't have the stats in front of you, but I think it's 10 out of 11 matches, one of them being a narrow victory against Liechtenstein, one nil, tying Moldova at home. Um, really, you know, the thing is, it's not even like teams are are dominating us. We're just not focused. And football is about focus. You you give up, you know, that one second where you look to the side um or you you make the wrong header or you you just don't focus and and you lose and it's the same on the other side of the of the pitch as As an offensive player not you know Kayal not shooting that to the left uh side or the right side he he basically shot it right at the goalie i mean let's let's be honest so uh, there's lots of issues um that being said, you know, we have two I, – I can't remember the last time we had two such big home matches against two good teams in a row. I think it was in the Euro qualification um, that we had two home games, maybe even not then in the, in, in the, in, uh, the home games. And what's interesting about uh, the Scotland game um, is that it's in Haifa, which means, one, it'll be sold out, I think, I hope. I hope because Scotland's a somewhat attractive team. It's not – England but there'll be a good amount of Scottish people here I'd say at least a thousand if not more um, in that range plus minus and there's some attractive players on the team. I would hope that people get behind because you look at it, it's the beginning of the campaign. As you mentioned, there's only um, Scotland and Israel have only played one game. Albania played both. They didn't have any friendlies. You know, if if you if you beat Scotland, which again you could beat Scotland, you could lose to Scotland. These are games that we can win or lose. If you beat Scotland, then that game at Turner Stadium, Toto Turner the following whatever it is, Tuesday, suddenly becomes really an exciting game. The 'er Beersheba fans are really hungry to have a national team game in Turner. I think this was a great decision by the IFA, and I rarely praise the IFA on Twitter or on any of our podcasts. I think it was a brilliant decision to have this game in in 'er Beersheba, and if Israel wins in Scotland, a point's not enough. If Israel beats Scotland in Haifa, that game really has huge significance, because You have a really compact stadium. There's no reason why that game won't be sold out if they don't beat Scotland. And even if they don't beat Scotland, I think just the fans of Bereshev are very hungry uh, to have a home game uh, that matters. You know, I think they had a friendly game a few years ago or two years ago or last year. I don't remember. Um, But this is a competitive game. It's a good team. Albania is not a sexy national team and they don't have superstars, but they have good players and a lot of good leagues. And, It's not a huge stadium. It's half the size of Sammy Ofer, basically. So you should be able to sell it out, no problem. Um, And it's a big—it's big. I mean, we can win these games, you know. We can. Everyone's like, oh, everyone's being negative, and things are really bad. And, you know, I agree. Things are really, really, really bad right now. But if our players are in good form, there's no injuries, we might have— I don't think we're going to have Almo Cohen back. I think he's going to be healthy— for the next round in November, which honestly could is just could be even m- more significant since it's um, uh, Israel against Scotland in Hampden Park, which is a huge, you know, one of the meccas of world football, and I really mean that when I say it. Um, so there's a lot to play for, you know. If if we lose against Scotland, okay, I, it's it's over. No, it's over. Basically, so we're not even in trouble. It's over for this. For this round i mean for this competition but if we win in scotland it's everything if it i keep saying in scotland i mean versus scotland um and we can beat scotland i mean they have a very good team we know they have a very good team they have a lot of players in the premier league and the championship um, in celtic that we're familiar to seeing um, more players are getting called up obviously from rangers now that they become more stable and they're we saw this week, this past week, they were very competitive in Europa League against a strong La Liga side.
0: Um, and yeah, I agree with you. I mean, yeah, I mean, it kind of sounded like it kind of sounded like maybe what you were saying was uh, the opposite, and, and that you were disagreeing with me when you were saying uh, we should they should have scored those chances, this or that. But that's I, it wasn't me making you know I wasn't saying well if we had just scored we would have won. Those are the reasons like that those are negative things that you miss easy chances. Like that's a difference right. between winning and losing.
1: And I don't think that that's something that coach can teach. I, no. I think that that really is what who you are as a player and and the culture of Israeli football, and that's something that is a big problem. And you know, it goes back to the history of Israeli football, whether it's the Portugal game, the three to one, or the Austria game that we needed to win. And then, of course, our current coach uh, is the one who scores the goal in the ninety third minute to take us out of the playoffs in two thousand one, um, which again is really funny that seventeen years. Years later, he's our coach, but that's life. Um, it's just focusing. It's it's finishing that goal. I mean, it's 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 not giving up that stupid goal in Bosnia. When you you know Tal Ben I was in Bosnia covering that game for two different media outlets, and Tal Ben Chaim scored that goal. I think it was in the thirty fifth minute, something like that. And then we give up two quick goals, and um and it's over uh, when Ben Chaim scored that goal in Bosnia in one of the most intense environments you could have in world football. Um, and you're up one nil. It's it's insane. You feel amazing, and then you something happens, and it, you lose it's just focus. a story. You lose focus. That's a huge part of us. We have talented players. Look, a huge part of the, our national team is that we don't have enough players abroad, and that's something that we can talk about in another podcast because you could talk about that for hours, and that goes into a lot deeper issues, but. There are talented players. I mean, when you look at the midfield, it's a, it's a good, exciting midfield. There's there's some good players. Whether it's the veterans with Nacho, and um, uh, you know, the irony is that Nacho with 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 what we have now, Nacho is kind of the most veteran of the rest of the guys. Um, whether it's Thor Peretz, Thor Micha, Dan Glazer. Um, Plushenko didn't really do that much in even feature, but those guys I just mentioned are pretty exciting. Um, obviously, Atsili I think will get called up. I think he just didn't because of timing, and um, he, you know, I think he has to get called up. Um, Nir Buton, who, you know, he needs to get healthy and start playing. One thing that's interesting that we talked about, and I know we don't have that much time with, but last year Brendan Rodgers experimented with Nir Buton at center back. Jesse, and you were. We were texting last night and you thought maybe that could be a good idea. And I think a lot of the Celtic fans, it's hard. I think so. some tweets you go, Oh my God, near Bitone is, 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 uh, you know, having to defend Neymar uh, when, when they played PSG in Champions League. But then other times, some fans like, Tweeted, Hey, near Bitone wasn't that bad today at center half. So he has the body for it, obviously. I mean, to have a center half like that is kind of like having the Aaron Schoenfeld as a striker and the Dora Peris as a midfielder. We don't, we I don't remember like a, a player that we've had with that height. I mean, he's one of the tallest players I think in the history of Israeli football. He's one ninety six. Um, but the problem with having him at center back is that he's very very slow. I mean, in the midfield, he always got criticized by uh, Celtic fans for being too slow in the midfield. But it could maybe work um in a back three i'm not sure but he needs to get back playing and not only that he sorry i was gonna say he needs to get healthy but he needs to get back to playing i mean when you're at a club like celtic where there's extreme competition i mean celtic is probably the one of the most competitive clubs in the world in the sense that they just expect to win every single match um you know there's only a few clubs in the world that have that kind of um you know you see it Maybe in in Dynamo Zagreb, who's been very good in Croatia, and Barcelona and Real Madrid. and uh, There's not that many clubs in the world, maybe Red Bull Salzburg, but not even because there's there's some tough games in that league. But Celtic are expected to win every single match in the league there. Not in Champions League, obviously, but in the league. And I don't know if if he's healthy. I don't necessarily know if that means he's playing. Um, That also could be something to keep an eye on if he should go in January um which I think he might to be honest I think if he realizes that he's not in the plans he might uh get sold to a championship club where he could play uh which obviously happened with KL going to um Brighton and then having a the significant impact there to get them promoted um yeah I mean yeah I think you know you have a, a nice exciting I'm very excited to see Dan Glazer and Dor Peretz progress in the midfield. Dor Micha, who's kind of nuts, he's going to be 27 in March. Uh, is only now getting call-ups when he's been, you know, one of the best uh, players in Israel. If you've watched some of his games this year and you see him and Schechter, the way they've connected, I'm not saying Schechter could be called up, and there is no reason for him to be called up when you have Dabur and Chemed. I'd like to see Dia Saba. Um, do something this this round, but I'm a bit concerned about him having to fight for minutes now that he's moved on a record uh, almost 2 million transfer fee to Beersheba. A lot of competition up there. Um, yeah, we talked about the defense. It's a big problem. The goalkeeping is also a big problem. I think Chaimov made some mistakes um, in the Northern uh, Ireland game. Um, so... And and especially, I I don't think I blame him on the Chaka goal in Albania. I think that was a nice goal. I don't know about you, Jesse. No, Uh, it was a good hit. It was a good goal. I don't, you know, it's a top, top goal outside the box or a little inside the box. I think it was out of the box. Um, The goalkeeping is a big problem. You and I are both fans of Marciano, and you just tweeted he's he's back in the groove of training. Um, But. It's an issue. Omri Glazer obviously <laughs> is not going to be playing. Boris Kleiman's playing for a very, uh, with all due respect, to a mediocre team in um, Cyprus. Um, Arya Kharush is at Beresheva, of course. After winning goalkeeper of the year, I think he needs to. Uh, uh, I think he needs to to be the na- the goalkeeper. And I think the the main reason why well he was injured. He that's why Chaimov started. He was injured. I think he'll be the starting goalkeeper against Scotland and Albania. Um, I think, you know what, he, he was goalkeeper of the year in Cyprus. Um, it's true, he had two very difficult seasons before that in Israel, he got relegated with pole Tel Aviv and Maccabi Netanya. but he, you know, credit due, he was goalkeeper of the league in Cyprus is nothing to be, you know, to make fun of, just as if Marciano is considered one of the goalkeeper, best goalkeepers in Scotland, again, nothing to make fun of um so that's that's an issue uh it's a big game and i really think the israeli public needs to get behind the team dude you know what's the point there's a new coach who's really not like the other coaches you just not i I don't see an israeli coach uh, doing a back five i don't see them having i don't say the balls to do it but it's just not something that they would do um it's a new coach he wants to succeed he's hungry he's young this is his first real job as a senior coach um you know there's no one that wants to succeed as much as him it's a type of job that if he does lead israel to a historic tournament it puts him in legendary status in israel not just in the football world but in the zionist world just because the country that we live in let's be honest it's the truth israel is the type of country that when you succeed and whether it's entertainment or anything you're you're very famous to the diaspora including you jesse as you know it's true i mean at the end of the day you're an American Jew who loves a national team. Um, you're not Israeli. You don't live here. Um, I don't think. I don't know if anyone, or if all of our audience knew that, but that's Jesse's based in the U.S. I'm in Israel, of course. Um, I, you know, I'm uh, going to be going to the matches as a fan this this time. I think um, I'm very excited about it. I'm not going to be going as a journalist this year, um, but I'm very excited about it. Uh, I think the game in Beersheba can really be an electric game just because the way the stadium's built, and of course it also can be in Haifa. But I, I am a bit worried about the attendance there because there's a lot of negativity on the national team, and I understand it. It makes perfect sense. Like, you can't be like oh why are we so negative i mean we're losing all our friendly matches we're we're not playing well against teams that we should you know destroy we lost to Macedonia it was one of Macedonia's best wins in 25 years in a competitive game moldova we got lucky with the don verid penalty in the end um things are bad but at the same time you know we only lost to spain 1-0 we only lost to italy 1-0 um, the one core thi- thing i you see is that we're not scoring goals um we need to, to score that. goals i'd rather lose 3 to 2 or 4 to 3 than then keep losing 3-0 1-0 1-0 1-0 1-0 um you know beating liechtenstein 1-0 um yeah it's it's a big issue i mean it's it's a really like it's a really really big issue that um i agree you know, we're not scoring goals five Five years ago, like we win those games six nil. I mean, we saw it. Israel was winning those games. You go back five, six years ago. Israel had Northern Ireland in the 2014 World Cup playoff uh, qualifiers, and we beat Northern Ireland both games in Belfast and in in uh, Tel Aviv or Ramat Gan. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we need to get behind. You know what? If after this, if we lose the Scotland game, criticize the way. Don't come to Albania game. You know, don't you know, be negative. But what you know, we're still in it, and we could beat Scotland. We, we can do it. Like they're they're not a powerhouse. Let's be honest. In fact, you could argue if any of I think we should maybe I think uh, Jesse will have a Scottish football fan or a Scottish account on as a guest in our next Twitter. Uh, our next um, I was going to say we'll find the guest from one of our Twitter friends, but um, in our next podcast, closer to the match. I think the Scottish fans will say they're very similar to Israel in terms of the league doesn't get a lot of respect. Uh, the national team always seems to mess things up. Israel and Scotland have a lot, in po- a lot, a lot in common, um, and I, th- you know, we can win. They can choke that game easy. It's it's if you don't know anything about Scottish history and their football team, you know that th- they lose these kinds of games that you that they that everyone thinks they're going to win and. Um, yes, they have Premier League players and all these good players, but they've had also their issues. Um, so I think that – and, you know, they have uh, they have a new coach. Obviously, Alex McLeish who was at Rangers and their old national team managers, probably one of the biggest Rangers um, legends since he won so many um, leagues, titles. Um, as a, as a manager of Rangers. But there's lots to be excited about in terms of, you know, it's pretty just exciting to have two big matches in Israel in October. You know, the the national team win, uh, break is usually really boring. There's always really boring friendlies. It's always like, Oh man, I have to watch England against Spain when, which is sexy on paper, but you know that both player teams are just worried about not getting injured and it's very insignificant. We have a really significant, uh, uh, international break coming up. And I don't think most of our audience is in Israel, but what I would say is that everyone around the world who listens, which we've seen from our stats is literally everywhere in the world, um, really should support the the team against scotland because my thing is why not we can win like let, let's let be behind the team because you never know like if we win the, the albania game really becomes a really exciting must like game so i'll be supporting the team there's lots of criticism on herzog and the players and De boer for not you know he's been given his chance and he hasn't scored but Let's see. I mean, let's see if the guys can get into the team with good spirit and none of our players get injured. I really wish Almo Cohen was fit. In fact, they just sacked their manager as well. Uh, they've really struggled with him this year. They're in 12th place. They also sacked their manager last year at a similar time, a little later in the season. Um... I actually it'd be interesting to know if he if he maybe could be fit. I from what I understood, Jesse, he wasn't gonna be fit till after the break, but you know, in today's modern science things can change and it'd be great to have him for those games, but I don't think he will be there. Bibras Natco to remind people went into these games without barely playing any minutes for Olympiaco since he signed so late in the window and needed some time to get fit. He just scored a game winner the other night. Um same with Tomer Chemed, he had barely gone any minutes. He's now playing 90 minutes every week, and he's sco- and he scored a goal already for QPR, and I think he'll bang in more. Um, so there's some things to be excited about. De Boer is, is uh, was very impressive against Leipzig in Europa League. He's continuing to score goals in Austrian League. I expect in January he'll be off somewhere. So just gotta focus on the positives. See what what he can do with the defenders. Um, and, uh, hope that, you know, that we can get a big win because we need it. We need it badly. I I can't, you know, we desperately need that win against Scotland. It could change a lot of morale. And if we lose, boy, I think, I think things could really spiral out of hand if we lose. I think things could get really, really, really bad if we lose. So it's a real, it's a must win. It's one of the biggest matches we've had. And, you know, it's as big as a match. Since the Cyprus match that we had in Teddy, that was a must win to try and get into the Euro qualifiers. Um, I hope as many fans come, if I was the IFA, I'd give out free tickets. You know, people who could benefit are people in southern Israel who are dealing with rockets and, and fires burning. I would give to that community free tickets. Let's get, you know, get the stadium packed, get people there who are excited to be there. Who get excited here hear the national anthem. We're excited to see the team, not people who are negative. And uh, at least that's all I have to say about it. I don't think there's more to say. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we can finish off really quickly with the rapid fire of the na- of the Premier League or get your uh, closing thoughts.
0: Yeah, no, I was going to say we can move on to the Premier League. Um, I yeah, the, the only thing that I think is important to stress, which you definitely mentioned, is we've played one match and we're on and Israel's on zero points. Okay. Uh, Scotland beat Albania and Albania beat us. So they have three, they both have three and we have, we obviously have zero. The it's, we played one match. I mean, Northern Ireland match was a friendly at the end of the day. So yeah, I completely agree with you. There's no need to be anything but positive going into the Scotland match. At least we'll see what happens there before, before continuing to be positive into Albania. But yeah, uh, it's been one match. There were some good things. Uh, hopefully, the players can you know spend some, another international break together. Think about how many guys are on their second or third cap. Uh, so, the more time in training, the better. Um, and, we, yeah, I, I'm just going to hope... we got to hope to see some goals in Haifa. Um, and I think there's there's a very... Now let's uh let's move on to yeah that we can do maybe just a few minutes Raphael on on the Israeli Premier League if you want to take us around the, around the league quickly.
1: Yeah, um I think you know just really quickly um I know this isn't the main focus. Well, I guess the big teams people like to hear about, but so I guess we can do that, but uh, what's interesting is right now. Obviously, maybe by the time people listen to this, the score will be different and things will be different. But Haifa's beating Mekay um be a big win for them. To you know, they're really trying to build something. Um, I can't remember the last time that they didn't win a, lose a few games in a row and the fans went crazy. Uh, and they won won their. Two games ago, they won their last game. They drew, and if they won this, that would be um, that would be seven out of nine points for a club like Kaifa right now in today's time. With everything that's happened in the last three years, that's a very positive thing. Considering they lost the first match, and there was a lot of you know negativity around that, so they're winning right now um, against makai Perchtikva. Again, Makai Pertikva to me are a very average team this year. They're built on their youth players and Manor Solomon and Ben Ayun. They just brought in the 31-year-old uh, African striker who's really at the end of his career, hasn't done much in Europe, came from Qatar. Don't really understand the signing, but OK, good for them. Um, I think an, an interesting thing that maybe our listeners would like is that to hear about as a poll, Tel Aviv to me are a very, very bad team this year. Um, I think you'll see it more when they play the good teams that they're a very average team. Um, their foreigners are very, very soft. No, None of their foreigners are impressive. They don't really have that much money. Um, they there's nice Israeli players on the team. There's a nice core of Israeli players. Uh, Ruiz Zikri I really like. I think he's a nice player. Damari, obviously, Ahmed Abed. But their defenders, to me, are the same defenders who got them injured and are overhyped and overpaid. Way overpaid. Way, way, way overpaid. Getting silly contracts in the hundreds of thousands for literally nothing. They haven't done anything to get those contracts. They're the same guys that relegated the team. Um, the midfield is also very troublesome. And Damari has not been the same Damari. I mean, we all love to see Damari score 20 goals for Apolo Tel Aviv. Everyone would love to see that, but it's hard for to see it happening when he's really struggled now for almost four years, which is really nuts. I mean, it's coming up on the four-year anniversary that he got mononucleosis. It was in late November, early December. I remember it really well. He hasn't recovered. Since then, he's been at Salzburg and at... at uh, at uh New York Red Bull, some matches with Leipzig, of course, with Haifa for a year. So uh, yeah, I think that's a big thing to keep an eye on. Maccabi Netanya, Maccabi Tel Aviv playing Netanya. Important to note: Iran Levy's gone to Beitar Saba, moving for two million to Beersheva. Huge loss there. They've brought in a lot of new players in the transfer window. Um, don't know. Don't a couple. Van Laman's a very interesting player. Uh, very young. Talented striker who I think if he scores goals will definitely get a call up to the national team. He's an exciting player. Uh, was at Makai Tikva before Beersheva bought him um, and had a good season there two years ago. I think he had 12 goals in the Premier League, which for an Israeli at a young age is, is pretty solid. Um, again, Sachnin Beitar on Monday. Lots of politics there, but besides the politics, Beitar in desperate need of a win. They start off one out of nine. Um, it 's at home a lot of Bitar fans have bought tickets for, it. as I mentioned fifteen hundred two thousand Sakhnin fans um, Ranana and Ashdod played earlier today one to one you know i don 't want to bore our audience there's really not that exciting players on those teams i mean there's some some good Israelis, some interesting ones, but nothing uh, too exciting um, as well. Uh, just opening the other fixtures that are on Monday. Obviously tomorrow is Sukkot, so there's no, uh, fixtures tomorrow night. There will only be ones Monday night after, uh, the holiday is over. Um, I'm Paul Beresheva, B'nai Yehuda. Um, let me put it this way. Beresheva are off to a horrific start. And due to a lot of the things that they did this summer, uh, they brought Hasselbank in from Kiryat for 1.6 million around plus minus, and and Dia Saba, They brought Eric Saba from from Beitar. They they let players go to Beitar as well. Uh, Shimon and Gorish. They they've made a ton of moves. A ton a ton a ton of moves. If they can't beat Pene Yehuda, who I think are one of the weakest teams in the league this year, they only have three foreigners. Um, they clearly have no money. Uh, they're, I think they're one of their favorites to get relegated. I honestly think that, you know, Hadera has been the Cinderella of the league, obviously, Jesse. They're, it's been an, What they've done is absolutely incredible. Um, starting off seven points out of nine is just insane for a team that, no one thought would even get promoted from second division last year they were a favorite you know they would they were favorite to finish in the bottom um if not get relegated back to the third division so what they have done is amazing and i think because they have such a great coach and their players are so hungry because everyone is against them i think they i don't want to say they're a better team than benayuda because there's more talent at benayuda but there's a lot of bad things going on there i think the fans they're very, very passionate fans. Uh, Bnei Yehuda fans are from like a specific area of Tel Aviv, Shunata Tikva, the Tikva neighborhood. And if the team starts to struggle, they'll go. They'll be really against the owner. And I, the team, uh, it looks really bad on paper. Um, you know, they've they've squeezed two draws where I think they could have easily lost those matches. They they've started two out of nine. Sheva also started two out of nine. If Sheva can't beat them, a team like this. The the, bill, the bells will start ringing because you know everyone understands they had a couple of tough games to start the season. Be'er Sheva, um they had a lot of Kiryat wasn't a, it wasn't an easy game and they had Maccabi Tel Aviv and um, it, you know they should have been Ashtod last week but okay whatever Astud's off to a good start but if they can't beat Bnei Yehuda at home in the fourth round after Dia Saba and Hasselbank will will for sure play. I'm sure about it. They're both fit. I don't see why they wouldn't play. Um, there, There's going to be some issues there. Um, yeah, Netanya, who like I said, were very exciting. I guess I already spoke about them. I won't repeat myself. But Apol Haifa, uh, I think we need to see more from them. Obviously, they were exciting last year. They, they had two big losses in Alon um, and uh, Adam Ben-Bassad and also Samuel Scheiman. And um, – Of course, also Roslan Barski, who went back to Maccabi Tel Aviv because he was on loan there. So they lost those four key players who were starters. So like I said earlier in the pod, uh, Plashenko really needs to pick it up. Um, I think the the defense is basically the same in terms of the center backs. Uh, Tomas, Gabriel Tomas, who one of the most interesting foreigners we've had in Israel, is uh, not as good as he was last year, but I think it's just maybe just getting into the hang of things. Um, And they're playing Apol Khadera, which have, again, been the really amazing start to the season. Really, like, if you go through their roster, there's not a lot of guys you can name on their team that you would recognize if you're an Israeli football fan. That's a lot of guys from the second tier. Um, So it's kudos to them. They deserve a lot of credit. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, as Forrest Gump says, that's all I have to say about that. All
0: right, Rafael. I think that was... uh... A good, a good little roundup there. Thanks, yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. I agree. Um, so thanks everyone for tuning in uh, to each episode, and ch- make sure you check out uh, our twitters for obviously for Israel football coverage, and for our next mailbag, we'll, we'll be looking for your questions. Uh, thanks for those who uh, who sent them in, and yeah, that'll do it for us. So uh, we'll we'll see you on, a, on episode six. Give a touch, brilliant.